back, y'all. This is a mini-sode of NBEA. I am your host, Shay Keelas, a.k.a. Luca Donkish. Today, I have a guest on this podcast. Uh, his name is Keith Parrish. He is the host of the Fast Break Breakfast podcast, where he, like myself, uh, is an affinitive fan of uh, basketball and breakfast foods. Uh, Keith, welcome to NBEA. Uh, thanks, Jay. Happy to be here. Absolutely. So, naturally, I want to make you feel comfortable. Um, so, I have to ask you, Keith, what did you have for breakfast today? Oh, I appreciate you returning uh, the uh, little trope that we do on our show. Uh, I actually had a sour cream donut and some iced coffee. Very nice. uh, From Dunkin' Donuts. Classic. Fine fine establishment. (laughs) Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, I I was... uh, yeah, I, I avoided the, uh, the the carbohydrates and sugars today, but uh, I actually just got back from Nashville, which is uh, your hood, and uh, had yeah. plenty 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 to go around. So, uh, uh, yeah, back to uh, back to the grind and back to the old. Uh, what did you uh, what What did you hit up in Nashville? Oh boy, we went to so many different places. We went to Husk. I went to Prince's. Nice. Uh, let's see. Nice. Went to uh, Fifth and Taylor. We went to yeah. God. There's so many different places. Um, it's my second time in Nashville. Uh, my girlfriend and I went there for our first anniversary and now our fifth anniversary, and. Uh, yeah, great time. Great town. I had a lot of fun. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, I wanted to bring you on the podcast today because you and I share something in common. Um, not only that we uh, spent the last weekend in Nashville, but also uh, that we are two fans of two teams that um, made tanking an art, uh, if you will, this season. Um, but your team in particular, the team that you follow most closely, the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, was a unique case. And I wanted to kind of have a conversation about, you know, the season that we just went through and, and we <laughs> kind of had to uh, just kind of grit our teeth and get through, if you will. Um, so before the season started, we kind of knew that the grit and grind Grizzlies were uh, a thing in the past, you know, Zebo's gone, Tony Allen's gone. Um, but Fizdale's still at the reins. Uh, and then early on, uh, Fizdale gets fired and, and it seems like the ship just kind of went down with him. So what were your initial thoughts when, um, the season started so promising when you guys were kind of like, you know, number one or, or top three in the, in the league to start and then just kind of quickly plummeted? Well, I mean, once once Mike Conley went out, I think they were seven and four, and it was kind of like, all right, this is bad. Can we weather the storm? And then, you know, I, I don't remember what it was exactly, but they lost several in a row, and then it was like Conley's going to be out a little bit longer, and it was like, well, we're going to keep losing. We're going to fall out of this competitive playoff race quickly. And then they fired uh, Fisdale, and it was kind of like, oh. <laughs> and they announced that Conley I – I can't remember the timeline exactly right now, I remember it was something like, oh, and, and Conley, they're going to reassess in like a month. And it was like, oh, we might not win a game for a month. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then when J.B. Bickerstaff took over, like they, they, they appointed him, you know, interim head coach at a really weird time, a very tough part of the schedule. And they did indeed lose a bunch of games in a row. Right. So suddenly the, the promising early start, where like, I predicted the Grizzlies to be similar to last year where they won 43 games. I was like, I, I thought – they could be even maybe a little better if they had health, you know, if, if health right. were their main guys. Because I thought they'd at least gotten rid of some of the worst players from last year and replaced them in the lineup with guys who I thought would contribute at a higher level like Tyreek Evans. I thought Wayne Selden would be an upgrade, giving him more minutes. Uh, and right. so you know, it, none of that ended up really working out. It, it worked out, you know, for uh, a, a month, but then it all fell apart. And then quickly <laughs> it was like, yeah, we're real bad. We should probably focus on the future. Yeah. Now I've heard you on other interviews and correct me if I'm wrong, Keith, but you're not really a big fan of the process type approach. That's that style of, of kind of tanking, correct? I think every situation is generally unique. Most of the time I'm not in favor of blowing up a team that can win. You know, like as a Grizzlies fan, 
if we can make the playoffs, I'm more like, let's just make the playoffs. Like, there's no guarantee blowing up gets you anywhere, even despite the fact that Philadelphia right now is, is having a great turnaround, a great season, and they have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. There's no guarantee that any team that does that will get that against the option of just playing it straight or just trying to win. Like, right. <clears throat> like yeah. the Celtics who maintained it, the, the Trailblazers right. who turned it around. And then you have teams who have sort of blown it up and they've never gotten it back, like the Orlando Magic. Right, right. That's what I was going to say. So, for, for every Philadelphia 76ers, there's an Orlando Magic. Uh, maybe two or three Orlando Magics or Phoenix Suns or, you know, the list goes on and on, Sacramento Kings, et cetera. Yeah, I, I, like I think, I think there's a universe where the Sixers tried to win, you know, at a decent level, didn't make damaging long-term moves into the future. But, you know, like at least it's like we don't have to bottom out. And there are scenarios where they still have Ben Simmons. There's like, you know, they hit on two of their what, two of their five big lottery picks. Right. If they ended up with Andrew Wiggins, who they were tanking for, they're not good right now, you right. know, type thing. So like so much so much of, of success in the NBA and rebuilding, in my mind, is just luck. You know, like like things work out. Uh, I was thinking about the Golden State Warriors who several years ago they were tanking and they and they won some of their final games and ended up with the sixth pick. DeMarcus Cousins went fifth. They got Ekbe Udo at sixth. <laughs> if they drafted DeMarcus Cousins, which they wanted, which would have been a better result for them losing, there's almost, you know, they probably don't end up winning titles. Right. But, you know, them getting Ekpe Udo, it just works out. So <laughs> I think my, my thing is, guys, uh, the universe is crazy. You just have to ride along. We are all just going along. We're, we're stardust. Uh, <laughs> We can't control it all. So, yeah, like you, you can make bad moves that hamper your franchise. I just think as far as rebuilding and trying to get draft picks, so much of it is luck. I would rather a team enter this season trying to win games, trying to make the playoffs, and then you know, build in other ways, which I think can be done. That makes sense. And now, so looking at the way that things have slated, um, you all have the second best overall chance for the number one overall pick. Um, now, the last time you guys had the number two overall pick, uh, <laughs> and I'm sure you recall uh, a one Hashim to beat as oh, a yeah. pick. Um, and I'm sure many Memphis Grizzlies and Grizzlies fans all over the world um, have, have uh, lived with that pick for, for years. So I guess looking at the roster as it's currently constructed, assuming that Gasol and, and Conley come back next year um, and are healthy, you know, knock on wood, if you had the number one overall pick based on the draft crop that you have today, is there anybody that you like specifically as a fit for the Grizzlies roster or kind of fitting into them uh, as a team and, and maybe helping them, uh, you know, in the, in the long run? Uh, I honestly have to plead ignorance. I, I don't feel <laughs> well informed enough on sure, the draft sure. class. I, I don't watch college basketball. Obviously the reports of Luka Doncic who I've seen play uh, EuroLeague a couple of times and Eurobasket. You know, he seems like he would be a great fit as a wing. You know, obviously a, a big need. Position of need, yeah. Position on need, you know, is wings. But then if the other guys who people are talking about, I don't know. I don't know well enough. Everyone thinks DeAndre Ayton is probably close to the top of the draft board. But now that I'm starting to learn about people, there's, there's like, I feel like there's like kind of a, a pushback from Grizzlies media about DeAndre Ayton. Maybe he doesn't have the motor. Maybe his position is, is borderline obsolete in the right. NBA. Uh, so, honestly, um, I don't have a strong opinion yet, and I, I don't even know if I will end up with a strong opinion on who the Grizzlies should take. I don't think there's a disastrous option in the top five picks. Sure. <laughs> uh, the Grizzlies guaranteed to have a top five pick. 
the Hashim Thabit thing back in the day, like we pretty much knew that was a terrible pick. Uh, th- there was the accepted story. I don't know if I buy it, but the accepted story is uh, the late Grizzlies owner, Michael Heisley, was just adamant they take Hashim Thabit. So as far as I know, you know, the guys in charge now claim that was not their choice. The owner made them take a Hashim Thabit. So as far as it is now, you know, Apparently, they can't miss in the top five. Uh, the only one I know much about is Luka Doncic. I would be thrilled to have him. But if they draft somebody else, I'll just be like, all right, cool. Uh, I, hope, I hope he's good. Yeah, get in line. Yeah, I, I think Luka Doncic definitely makes sense because I think to your point, like in terms of just position of need, it's kind of perfect. If, if, he's, if he's seen as the – and a lot of boards have him as the number one overall draft prospect, um, depending on – I guess I guess depending on who – um, gets the number one overall pick. I guess you could argue with Phoenix, it probably makes more sense to go with DeAndre Ayton, uh, just based on having Devin Booker. But um, it's interesting to be in a position where the position of need is also the position that's um, the highest ranked overall player. Um, so that's that's it's a very interesting uh, approach. I'm curious now. So a lot of coaches have been fired. Um, I would imagine, and I don't know if you've heard anything on your end, but I would imagine that JB Bickerstaff doesn't stick around as a head coach next year. Um, do you have your I, eye on anybody in particular? Well, I actually think, uh, reading the tea leaves, I think J.B. Bickerstaff will be back. Really? There's no reports of them bringing in any outside candidates or conducting a larger coaching search. I think when they fired Fisdale, they kind of viewed the whole season of Bickerstaff as a bit of an audition. And again, everything I'm hearing from people close to the Grizzlies is – it's more than likely going to be him. The players are comfortable with him. Mark Gasol, Mike Conley are comfortable with him. Sure. We assume Robert Parra, now that he's established that he's going to be the owner going forward, he, he resolved his buy-sell clause with some of the minority owners. Uh, we assume he's comfortable with Bickerstaff. And Bickerstaff, is, you know, he's an impressive guy when you hear him talk. Like he, He's good with the media, and apparently he's good with the locker room, and that might be good enough for the Grizzlies. And he will be cheap which is always seems to be a uh, consideration when the Grizzlies hire coaches <laughs> yeah. based on their history. So sure. uh, I actually think more than likely it looks like it's going to be J.B. Bickerstaff. Hmm. Yeah, because I heard some rumblings that – not more, not so much rumblings, more so just like conspiracy theorists saying, well, they wanted Frank Vogel before they hired uh, Dave Fisdale. Now Frank Vogel's on the market, so maybe they'll bring Frank Vogel over because he's a good coach. He was in a bad situation. Yeah. Um, but even Bickerstaff, like when he was in Houston, that was another one where there was – he was somebody who they thought – Okay, after he took over for Kevin McHale, it's definitely possible that he sticks around. The team, the team clearly got better um, after McHale got fired, and, and they kind of like surged back together. But you know, it's uh, it's interesting that that ended up not working out. Um, cool. So, couple, uh, I guess overall, when you look at the team's potential future, because personally as a Bulls fan, um, looking at the pieces that we've, and I'll be the first one to say that when we traded Jimmy to Minnesota and, and drafted Larry Markin, and I was not on that boat. Um, I've now changed my tune. Um, but at the time, I uh, wasn't super excited about our future. So looking at the Memphis Grizzlies, what's something you'd like to see them do uh, in the offseason to improve upon the, the disaster that was this season? My biggest issue with the Grizzlies as roster building has been they keep decreasing the amount of NBA talent on the team. And it's been a, it's been a pattern for several years where – I feel like four years ago, they had 13 legitimate would-be NBA players on any NBA roster guys on the team, and it keeps getting lower and lower. They keep taking like these flyers on second-round players, and now the roster, which is shown by you know, 120, what, 21, 22 games uh, when Mike Conley went down, 
because there's no depth. There's, there's injury question marks and then like eight or nine guys who are fringe NBA players at best. Like they, they wave guys and they don't get picked up. And that's a bad sign in my book. Like these guys are not in demand to be on a roster. So I would just love to see the overall talent level of the team be increased. And it's going to be really hard because almost all of these players are signed for next year. We, we pretty much know who the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be next year. It's this exact roster that they have right now, plus, you know, plus a, a top five pick, right. plus someone who they signed with the mid-level exception, which now everyone's saying is not going to be Tyreek Evans. I think they, they completely botched the Tyreek Evans thing, which I've, I've just, I don't know, harangued about on, yeah. on, my, sh- on my show over oh, and over. Sure. I've been on other shows where I, it, it makes me so angry that they didn't trade him. And then, I don't know, he just left. He just left Memphis and wasn't around even <laughs> post-All-Star break. It's just crazy. Uh, yeah. So he's probably not coming back. So I think most Memphis fans are like, ideally, you know, we bring in like, like a Will Barton or something. If we can get him for a full mid-level exception, again, Will Barton went to college in Memphis. Uh, personally, I, I wish they would quit bringing in people who have a tie to the city. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like that's like, that's like fanboy message board type right. stuff. Yeah, I'm like, the Bulls have a problem with Iowa State. All we do is bring in people that are tied to Iowa State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's more, it's, I don't know. If, if I can draw a direct line between the GM and the guy they bring in, it's like, I don't know, it strikes me as some form yeah. of like, it's not nepotism, but just like, right. you know, I would rather us take a full view and find the best person available. And you're telling me the best person available just, just happens to live in Memphis. In the right. <laughs> like, like, I don't, I don't buy it. How convenient. So, you know, I, I'm pretty down on the, on the overall team for next year. Cause I just, I just don't see how it's going to be good unless they end up waving a bunch of guys who are under contract, like Deontay Davis, um, Ben Macklemore. Right. So, uh, you know, things aren't looking great and everything depends on being able to get Mike Conley and Mark Gasol to play, you know, 70 games ne- next year. And because even if they take a draft pick, like you don't want to take a draft pick that necessarily has to be ready day one. I don't feel like you right. should box yourself in there. You should take whoever the best guy is. So I, I just wish they would, they would focus more on getting legit NBA players and stop stocking up on undrafted and second round guys like Dylan Brooks, like hit They're like, look, we got Dylan Brooks, you know, late, but it's like, we have, we have Deontay Davis and, and you know, yeah. Jerome Martin, Jerome Martin's still on the team and all these guys who are like, who are, who are barely NBA guys. Right. A long history of, uh, of Christopher Wallace uh, flops, if you will. Um, yeah. yeah. It's funny. You mentioned the Tyreek Evans thing. Cause like the second half, um, uh, quote-unquote roster adjustments that occur in the NBA are, are fascinating. I, I know the Bulls got in trouble for seeing Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday um, for wh- whatever medical reason that they assigned him to. And we were in a similar situation too where it's like, are you going to the trade deadline? You have a, a piece in Robin Lopez that is a quality either starting center or backup center depending on the team. I mean, I, I was advocating for them training him to Cleveland for, for literally anything, uh, even a bad contract or something because they could definitely use the big man help. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting the way that our – that our teams think and operate and, and make uh, personnel decisions. <laughs> with, the, with the Bulls, I think the Bulls were really interesting this year. They, they started the season. You guys started opening night with as little hope as anyone in the NBA. In I love it. Yeah. You know, as far, as, even for the future. It was like we have no future. Like We traded for a hurt Zach Levine. Right. Like, like Laurie Markkinen looked terrible. At Summer League, he looked amazing. I don't remember what the tournament – maybe that was Eurobasket where he looked incredible. Yeah, that was one. Uh, but so you guys, I feel like you guys had really low expectations and then you guys lost, like you were terrible. 
and, and then and then Mirchich comes back, and all of a sudden you guys start winning. And then for the rest of the year, it was like, oh, some of these guys are pretty good. We can be pretty good. And, 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 and you guys got in that weird nether zone of not being at the bottom of the tank standings and having a little bit too much talent. Like, you, uh, you crushed your Vegas over-under. Like, you guys went way over. <laughs> yeah, so not great. It, it, was a weird, it was a weird year. Like, what was your impression of the year? Like, do you, you obviously, I assume, feel more optimistic now than you did at the beginning of the year? To an extent. I think the Zach Levine, like, free agency that's looming is going to be interesting because, frankly, I, to your point, you know, he does have a history of – he's coming off of an injury. He only, him and, and Chris Dunn and Laurie Markin only played 12 games together this season, so we didn't really get a good sample size of, of what that core looks like. I was pleasantly surprised with Laurie Markin. Um, and even Chris Dunn. Like, Chris Dunn, you know, played the defense that we all knew that he was capable of playing and, you know, in a system where he's not, you know, being thrown back to the bench by Tibbs um looked to be a serviceable point guard i think the the only good thing that came out of this is that we pretty much determined that jerry and grant is not a viable nba player anymore and there's some other people uh on the roster like paul zipser and some of these people that we had high hopes for christine well felicia was going to be locked up for the next three years but nonetheless um <laughs> i too went into the season hoping that a we were the worst team in the league which on paper we should have been um and to your point everybody felt that I hate I hate the term fleece because it got overused this offseason, but we did get fleeced by Minnesota in that trade initially was my thought. Um, it, the trade yielded some results that were promising, but, uh, you know, looking at the draft now, I mean, we're slated with the six best overall odds in the draft, which I don't know, nets us Macal Bridges, which that's cool, I guess. But to your point, we don't have somebody on our roster right now. Like I see in five to 10 years, I see Laurie Markinen being, if we're where we want to be, the second best player on our team. Like, I don't think if we're going to be an, an NBA like champion competitor and, and somebody that's on the upper echelon of teams, I just don't think that Laurie Markin is the guy to lead that, 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 that push. So I'm lukewarm on how I feel about like our future aspirations. Cool. And depending on where we la- like land in the draft, I'll, I'll change my tune or I'll, I'll stay on that tune. Did you want the bulls to blow it up? I think you mentioned earlier that you got on board after the fact with the Jimmy Butler trade, did you want the, so you wanted the Bulls to blow it up? Yes, I'm. I I I see the argument for like non-process people, and also the the argument for process um, people. Um, I think from our perspective, because we're in a larger market, I think it helps to build some young, attractive talent and then sign a free agent. Although historically speaking, we haven't been good at signing free agents ever. Um, I think Paul Gasol is probably the the most high high profile. Well, Dwayne Wade, but. Um, I'd rather not speak on that one. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah, I was going into the season really hoping that we would just, we would just tank. Uh, we would go all in on, on being the worst team in the NBA. We ended up trading Miritich. Something happened. That, that, that cheap shot to the face like lodged something, and he just started shooting and, and looking amazing. And initially, that, that New Orleans pick looked like a, a potential lottery pick. Um, and then Anthony Davis just had the season of his life um, you know, and pulled them into the fourth spot overall, fifth spot. Um, so, yeah, I mean – I was going in with the lowest of low hopes, and then we went on these, these win streaks that just made no damn sense. Um, it was a frustrating season, to say the least. Well, so I, I'm one, again, from not inside the Bulls organization or, or not even really caring about Bulls as far as, sure. uh, as, far as fandom or anything. Sure, sure. Uh, I didn't understand trading Jimmy Butler. It seems strange to me that you have a legit, whatever he is, top 15 guy sure. where you have him under contract. That's what you're trying to get. When yeah. you get a lottery pick, you're hoping you get a Jimmy Butler. You already have a Jimmy Butler. So that's an example where I, I didn't understand. Yeah. Uh, like if you guys still had – I feel like there's a bunch of guys you guys have let go. It's like you, if you still had, you know, Etwan Moore and Nikola Miritich and Jimmy Butler, 
build around that. Like those, yeah. those, those are those are really good players. Uh, and again, there's many there's many paths to being good. Uh, and getting rid of a guy still in his prime, still under contract for another year at a good number. Yep. That's one where I'm like, I, I know Bulls fans are frustrated that they've been at the bottom of the Eastern Conference playoff, right. you know, for a while. But again, that's one, and maybe it's my perspective of a small market team where I feel maybe I'm just more content with making the playoffs, where I didn't understand blowing it up. I'm like, you have Jimmy Butler. This is the goal. You tank yeah. to get a Jimmy Butler. You already have a Jimmy Butler. It seems weird to get rid of him. Well, and that was kind of my perspective as well. I think once it was, once the tea leaves were, and, and the writing was on the wall that Jimmy was going, and I think there was a lot of, from what I've gathered from just like listening to uh, NBA media and, and absorbing content, it sounds like there was some contention with him in the front office and Fred Hoiberg. So it was kind of a messy situation. So once they kind of went all in on, yes, we're looking for the best suitor for Jimmy Butler and they made the trade. That's when I was all in. Cause I, I completely agree with you. I think you have a guy who's controlled for the next two seasons, who is what? 27, maybe um, who is a top 15, top 10 player, depending on who you ask. Um, who's a two way star, uh, all NBA two guard. Like everybody is looking for a three and D or at least two way player like Jimmy Butler. That's what people search for. That's, that's who they're drafting for. We have one. So, you know, the roster construction over the last couple of years just didn't make any sense just based on his skill set. Like, like the, the three alphas experiments, God, that was so frustrating. Like to have three guys who just pound the ball, who shoot mid range jumpers, um, Rondo excluded, but you know, to have three guys who have a game that, um, to some extent actually, uh, look quite similar just made no sense the roster construction made no sense I completely agree that like if you take a Jimmy Butler and build some build a roster around him with just shooters like guys who can spread the floor guys who can space out hit the corner three help him on defense maybe build a little bit of length um, I, I think based on past history I actually funny enough trust the Bulls to draft better than I do trust them to build a roster around a star okay that's kind of where I stand on the Bulls um, just based on the way that they built rosters around D Rose and, and Jimmy Butler. And um, we can't really attract free agents for whatever reason. We've just always been bad at that, but front we office. do have, yeah, front office. Definitely. <laughs> definitely front office. Um, I, I would say the only, like the only saving grace is that we do have a history of drafting. Well, like we drafted Taj Gibson really late and we drafted Bobby Portis really late and Jimmy Butler was a 30th overall pick. And, you know, we've had some bust too, but I think Overall, the, the one good thing about Garpax is that they, they do have a fairly decent history of, uh, you know, drafting quality NBA players. So that's kind of my take on that. Yeah. Um, but in any case, um, before we wrap up today, I kind of wanted to do some quick hitter uh, superlatives, just kind of see where your head is at based on okay. how the season went. So first and foremost, um, who, Keith, is your rookie of the year? Uh, uh, you know, any of them are good. I don't <laughs> You know, I... I think Ben Simmons is the better player. I think right. he's trans- is transformational. Uh, talent is just so unique and big and can guard every position. So, yeah, he, he, he's rookie of the year. Um, I, I've been making the joke on our show. It's only a half joke. He's rookie of the year. But we can all agree that he chose not to play at the end of last year right. so he could still get his bonuses from his shoe contract. Right. I'm sure Nike was him Over a million dollars for being rookie of the year. And he gets a financial bonus for making first team all NBA. I mean, first team all rookie on, on his shoe. Right. So right. yes, it's Ben Simmons rookie of the year, but he chose not to play last year at the end of last year when he was healthy to make money. Right. We'll give him an asterisk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, MVP. Who's your MVP this season? Uh, again, 
I feel like if we didn't have the hive mind of Twitter telling us what the correct answer was, uh, I would have gone with LeBron James based on based on games played, uh, him putting up the incredible amount of stats, and him being, I think, the best player in the league. But right. then I feel like everyone tells me it's James Harden, and I can't argue with them. Right. Yeah. You know, like like they bring up great points, and and Houston has a much better team record. Uh, did not have a damaging regular season, much like the Cavs. You know did not have a great regular season. Um, Part of me, one holdback on Harden is I feel like a lot of his success this year and them being way better is not because of him. It's because of Chris Paul. So it seems strange to me that he's like definitely unanimously the MVP. It's weird to vote for anybody else when Chris Paul, it was the engine that made them this much better than his previous years. So again, I, I have no issue with James Harden. Uh, if I lived in a cave, I probably would have gone with LeBron James. But <laughs> again, I, I don't have like strong opinions. I, yeah. Like you could push me anyway on almost all these awards and I'm like, fine, that's great. Like I don't, it's weird. It's weird to pick a single winner in my book. It's so sure. hard. Everyone yeah. does different stuff. It's difficult. And this is one of those seasons like last year or like seasons past, it was a little bit more, I, I guess last year the MVP race was a little less obvious. And, and last year the rookie of the year race was nobody gave a shit just because it was just a right, boring yeah. race. Like Brogdon yeah. versus Sarge is, arguably the most boring next to like Michael Carter Williams winning ever. Um, but in any case, this, this year is one of those years where like there are some storylines behind rookie of the year and like Donovan Mitchell wearing sweatshirts to say rookie and, you know, he's leading his team. And I, I, sorry, Jay, I was, I was almost like, all, I was all the way in on Donovan Mitchell until, he until, the, sweatshirt. until the sweatshirt. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I, th- I think he lost me. I mean, I, I honestly, like if they gave me a vote, I would do co I would do co rookie of the year. I thought that too. Um, because like I, I think was it, it was Grant Hill and Jason Kidd I think were right. co rookies of the yep. year and like those guys were Hall of Famers those guys were incredible I think there's a good chance both Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell you know there's a good chance they both make the Hall of Fame I, I don't want to get too far ahead of us but it, it looks like they are they are going to be uh, multiple time All Stars at, at the least so I, I have no qualms with not picking a winner and just giving it to both of them sure do you have a favorite in the Coach of the Year voting this year. Uh, I would lean, I would lean Brad Stevens. Um, I still think pop what he's done with what I think is way less talent. Oh yeah. Like uh, he would probably be like my, my second place, like, you know, shouts to Nate McMillan to Dwayne Casey. Uh, also I- incredible years. There, there's a lot of great candidates for coach of the year. I, I would lean Brad Stevens, just them winning as many games as they did. I can't remember if it was 55 or 54, like them winning that many games without Gordon Hayward, uh, without Kyrie Irving for a bunch of games, uh, just seems super impressive to me. Yeah. What's funny is like, and we were talking about this on the podcast last week is like the narrative for why Brad Stevens should win coach of the year. And the near is the exact opposite, almost narrative of why Danny Ainge could be uh, executive of the year. Like Danny Ainge pulled off the Gordon Hayward signing and then the Kyrie Irving trade and, you know, kind of uh, shipped off Isaiah Thomas, which I wish him the best, but um, you know, that, that trade looks amazing. Uh, well, but at the same time, you know, the, the, the roster construction now is completely different than, uh, than day one. Yeah, I don't think – we can't give Danny Ainge executive of the year because Gordon Hayward didn't help the team. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's, I mean, just, I it's mean, just funny. I'm being facetious, but, uh, sure. but also there's, there's something to that. Like, yeah, it's, it's, funny how, it's, 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 it's funny how, like, the, the, the difference in, uh, in narrative there for those two guys is uh, – yeah, it's uh, it's 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 been an interesting season to say the least. Um, cool, Keith. Well, um, any predictions on who's going to win the championship this year? Sorry, my my baby's chiming in. <laughs> no uh, worries. Yeah, she has a pick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I still I'm still Warriors, uh, yeah. but I also I always uh, 
add the caveat on fast break breakfast that I, I've never picked the, the, the championship <laughs> winner correctly at the start of the playoffs yet in yeah. our four year run. So uh, I went Warriors, and maybe that'll be bad for him. Yeah, it sounds like the Warriors are going to lose now. Um, cool, Keith. Well, I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast today. Um, tell the listeners where you, they can find you online, and uh, we will uh, we'll sign off. Uh, you can find the Fast Break Breakfast podcast anywhere that uh, podcasts are given away for free. So Google Fast Break Breakfast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Fast Break Break. All right. Well, for Keith, for Jay, this has been NBA Route.